Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah, levity, levity indeed on this Friday. What the, what in the luchador is that devil man over there? <laughs> don't talk to him. Don't tell me my business, devil woman. Uh, apparently, this is Morning Combat, and it is Friday, uh, April 30th, 2021. I am your boy, the beige one, the BBC, Brian Campbell of CBS Sports and Showtime. Uh, orange background, usually fun and games Friday got... Ain't got shit to do this Friday, unfortunately. We've got a lot of wild news that's broken through over the past 12 to 18 hours across all facets of combat sports. Let me, uh, you know, put away any fun and games and bring in my very serious co-host who just, I don't know, tried to bitch me out with 30 seconds to go during the pre-show. Uh, he's wearing a red mask. He's from hell. His name is Luke Thomas. Brian. Brian, I am the ghost of... Regretful decisions at eating at gas stations, Brian. I've come to ask. <laughs> Are you here because we... Because Why you have summoned me yet again? Is this because we did not do a resume review on Yoel Romero? Is this why I'm getting this right now? I can't figure out the karma anymore. It's coming from all directions there. That's scary, Do you scary, like my Hanya mask? It's what the cool, hell right? is that? You're going to scare your daughter into a life on the pole if you wear that around the house, Luke. I did. I did scare her, as a matter of fact. No, I got it off, uh, of all places, Etsy. It's a, uh, yeah, it, it is a devil woman mask, actually. There's the two different kinds of uh, Japanese devils. This is the Hanya, which is supposed to be a woman. Uh, right. But, yeah, there you go. Hi, BC. Here, how are you, buddy? Isn't yeah, that how we're supposed, we're supposed Fridays are supposed to be loose, a little bit off the rails. There you go. Yeah, we're supposed to set the weekend up, the fights to come. Instead, we're going to be talking about a lot of serious nonsense coming your way shortly. But a uh, little bit of housekeeping here. BC and LT, nobody, nobody does it like we do. So why don't you like this video? Why don't you subscribe to what we're doing? If you listen to us in audio only, and apologies for the delay on Wednesday's episode, uh, why don't you give a five-star review there too? You can follow us on social media, the show on Instagram and Twitter. Luke and I have our handles there as well. Uh, so hard to handle, too cold to hold. They're called morning combat, and they're in control of this here combat game. So uh, I don't know if you listen to other cringy shows on Monday, but stop it. Stop that shit right now. All right. So let's uh, let's get through quickly here. Store.show.com is your chance to own this fantastic coffee mug and everything left in our merch 1.0 rollout there. Uh, you know, outfit your abuela in that really nice green hoodie that my wife wears all the time. Big fan of it. Uh, the new the new merch, the international friendly merch coming in May. So stay tuned for announcements on the new website, all that good stuff. But get your shit today. Be like Bill and Jen in the RV. And, uh, you know, Parade America wearing our show on your chest. Also, look, uh, Yoel Romero, actively healthy or not, Showtime.com slash Bellator MMA is your chance to step up, step in, drop in, and get on to what we're doing. 30-day free trial for Showtime. You get all the movies, the docs, the championship boxing, the Bellator MMA. And, of course, for six months, you can get it for four ninety nine, which is basically free in these parts. So you're not going to want to miss, uh, I don't know, Pitbull McKee, you know, the light heavyweight Grand Prix, all that good stuff. A lot more to come on, on some of the Bellator news that you're waiting for, though. And also, please... Um, 
So many good stuff coming your way in terms of our MK bonus, Luke's live chat on Thursday, interviews with top fighters. Rashad Evans and I this week, of course, did a story time episode looking back on UFC 88 and the one punch knockout heard round the world of Chuck Liddell. So many fun little nuggets and stories. If you like Rashad, and I know you do, check out that. Continue to, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, help us, help us help you. That's it. That's all the shit I'm trying to sell you to start. I miss anything, Luke? No, I think that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Let's do it. Topic number one on this Friday to close out April. Here we go. Uh, To call it unfortunate news would be unfortunate. It's worse than that. It's destructively sad. May 7th, Bellator 258, next Friday, of course. That co-main event bout we were all looking forward to. Anthony Rumble Johnson and UL Romero making both their collective Bellator MMA debuts. It is no more as UL Romero just overnight pulled from the eight-man, 205-pound light heavyweight tournament after failing a medical exam. The exact details were not disclosed by Bellator MMA, although I'd have to argue the second most handsome journalist in all of MMA did break that story overnight. Uh, Here's what we know. Romero will continue fighting with Bellator. He is out of the tournament. He will make his debut as quick as they can get him back there. As we stand right now, it is uncertain whether Rumble Johnson will stay on next week's Bellator 258 card, although Bellator actively looking for a replacement in the tournament to face him in the quarterfinal matchup. The winner, of course, will move on to face champion Vadim Nemkov in the semifinals. But Luke, forget those details right now. Rumble versus Romero was the catnip. It was it was everything we wanted as fans, journalists combined. Your reaction to hearing this news. It's bad. <clears throat> it's bad news for Bellator, man. Um, you know, it's just you got to be honest about it. This was the most anticipated fight, frankly, not merely of this tournament, but of all the fights that they had announced at that grand uh, Showtime Bellator cross or uh, you know announcement that they were going to be working together. Um, you know, they this was the crown jewel, and now I do. I mean, in some senses, it's not the end of the world, right? Because if Rumble had won it and uh, moved on, you'd almost be just getting the same tournament, right? You would be Rumble versus Nemkov, and then whoever wins that goes on to fight the winner of, of, of Bader versus Anderson. So it's not like it all is lost in that sense. But one, it's like you got to feel bad for Bellator on some level. They put Fedor and Overeem in the semis, and then they are, not the semis, but the quarters, but they couldn't get to the next round to fight each other. So they said, this time, you know what? It, it, obviously, Scott Coker, uh, that was Strike Force, this is now Bellator. But I mean, now Bellator under Scott Coker's auspices, like, you know what? We're just going to go right to it which we had both co-signed on been like that's the right pr- approach and then the MMA gods or whoever intervenes to, to not let this happen first of all I hope Romero's okay whatever the medical issue is I hope it can be addressed and resolved because to lose him from this fight sucks but the bigger one is what you indicated him being out of this tournament blows dude like it's a big yes. blow to this whole thing I think the other two fights that we've seen from the Grand Prix to this point um or the other three or whatever uh, Corey Anderson, I thought his fight was fine, but you know Bader versus Machida was not that awesome, and Nemkov versus Davis was you know it was high level, but it was not super entertaining. You know, I was looking for Rumble versus Romero to give me that big entertainment quotient, and now it's like this is bad news for Bellator, bro. There's just no two ways about it, man. And they needed a boost from like a television standpoint, and now the one thing that it's 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 all bad. 
all bad. You you hit it. You hit it across the board there. There's a lot of layers to this one little announcement. Now, again, to, to kind of double back, what you said, not the end of the world. Bellator did put out a statement saying, you know, they still want to make this matchup moving forward in the future. Rumble Johnson put out an IG post that was like, you know, hope Romero's okay, was looking forward to this, but, you know, we can still meet up in the future. But, you know, sexiness for this tournament, for this prestige of this tournament, could things be repaired if Rumble Johnson goes in there against whoever will be the replacement? And let's say he smears the guy across the canvas. Will we be fired up for Rumble Nemkov? Of course, right? It doesn't mean the Bellator's tournament is dead. It doesn't mean Bellator dies. But, I mean, this was the best thing going of the eight-man tournament. Ambitious, creative of Coker, as you mentioned, to look at the eight names and say... We're not effing around. We're putting these two together right now. Both have incredibly large questions that can only be answered inside that cage from Rumble's layoff to Romero moving up in weight. Now, one thing, uh, you know, sources I've talked to are telling me it's not drug test related. It is medical related. We know he's 43. He's a freak of nature. Um, I do know that Romero took part in the uh, Wednesday virtual press conference, which I hosted from a doctor's office. It just so happened in, in his schedule that he's literally sitting on the exam table, taking off his mask, talking to the media. So mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, the connection, the relation there, but uh, something happened medically and he's off. And to see my mentions overnight, Luke, after tweeting this out, I, I don't bring this up to try to pat myself on, on the back, but to say the utter sadness and the volume of sadness from journalists and fans alike to, to, to not getting this, it, it's palpable. It's hard to, it's, I mean, this sucks, you know, and, and, and already that weekend, right? This was Friday, May 7th. The next night, Saturday, we're no longer getting TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen on that UFC card. So just a, you know, kind of a shit box of, uh, of, uh, of treats there that, uh, damn, damn. Now, let's yeah, get some... I, I, and also, like, I don't want to play conspiracy theory here, so I'm not going to, but Eric McGracken, who is a lawyer for, he has a combat sports blog and does a little bit of pro bono work in the space, he was, at, he was saying, again, he was asking, he does not know. We know for a fact that if you go as an athlete to the um, UFC Performance Institute, they're going to run a series of tests on you. You know, they have, they have access to all that data. You have to sign all that over to them. So that's no big deal. I mean, they're, I mean they measure your VO2 max and whatever else. I don't know all the battery of tests they can run there but there's a question of to what extent to what extent when the ufc acts as its own promoter because this would not be the case in nevada but you know they acted as their own promoter overseas at fight island or wherever to what extent does that give them access to medical information i, I don't know the answer to that but you you wonder are they able to make decisions about personnel they want to let go of by virtue of having access to any health data. Again, the answer could be very well no. I want to be very clear about that. I would like to know for certain, though, that that's the answer because I just wonder what, what all might be happening I with think the it's amount fair of information to speculate. There. I think that's fair to speculate, to say, look, did UFC not drop Romero because he didn't fight the style they wanted him to against Adesanya and that he, you know, can lose these disputedly close fights and he's 43. I don't know. Was it, did, did some kind of injury lingering play a factor? I don't know. Again, this fight could still happen this calendar year for all we know. Luke, it probably deserves to be its own main event. I don't have any knowledge that Bellator or Showtime is going back into the pay-per-view route. I do know even if you put this as a pay-per-view main event, guess what? It would sell because it's one of those unique potential fireworks, batshit crazy type fights. Um, let's talk about the actual brass tacks of what should or could happen next. Now, John McCarthy at that uh, it did on a Bellator broadcast previously announced that there is a 
a uh, go-to replacement that was named for this eight-man tournament. It's Julius Anglicus, the 29-year-old light heavyweight. He's 10-1, 6'3", out of uh, St. Charles MMA. Luke, the problem is he just fought on April 16th on the Nemkov-Davis undercard. He took a three-round decision from Gregory Millard. Now, he's a, you know, a fighter of growing stature at the moment, has a couple wins he's put together in Bellator. I don't know if he can turn it around quick enough to be the replacement for Rumble or if they can keep it on that card. Now, in Bellator's favor, let's say, the card's pretty damn strong. You've got Juan Archuleta, Sergio Pettis next Friday as your main event. you got MVP Derek Anderson, which is a sneaky good fight. Uh, there's a there's a, a blood war there between Patricky Pitbull and the uh, the guy from um, from SBG, you know, the Queel- Peter Queeley, is that his name? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a good card, but if you keep Rumble on that card it would still retain a large amount of magic, I think, and bring a lot of interest because just Rumble coming back from a four-year absence is a story unto itself. So, look, I don't care if they, if they have to call up Melvin Manhoff, anyone. Get me a body in there. I need to see what Rumble looks like. I need to see this thing going. So hopefully Bellator can can put that together, Luke. Uh, yeah, I'll say if, they, if there's a way to keep Rumble on the card for the reasons you articulated, that doesn't matter who he's fighting. It's been four years since we've seen it. What does it even look like at this point? I agree. If that, if if you can retain that, there is a degree of uh, certain intrigue to the card. But if you lose that too, you know, I, you got to call it what it is, bro. It's a disaster for Bellator. It's a disaster yes. if they lose both uh, of them for you know, and and it wouldn't be their fault, but it would still fall in their lap, and that's the reality of it. I mean, it's going to be hard. Look, it's going to be hard to find anyone on eight days' notice to fight Anthony Rumble Johnson. That's just what it is. But obviously there's opportunity here. We've seen Daniel Cormier in the past come in the Strike Force uh, Heavyweight Grand Prix and as a late replacement and win the whole thing. So, you know, it is what it is here. But uh, I don't know. I'm looking up and down the Bellator roster. I'm like, can we call uh, Gegard Musashi and throw him a lot of money? Can we call uh, Liam McGarry? Is he still alive? Can we get somebody in here? We'll have to find out, hopefully today or over the next few days, which direction Bellator and Rumble go to. But, Luke, that was only tied for our lead story of the day because there was another MMA exit that is just as mind-boggling and maybe disappointing in different ways. Diego Sanchez has... Cut ways with the UFC. In fact, I believe the UFC has cut him and released him from his contract just days after we found out he will not be fighting Donald Cowboy Cerrone in what was supposed to be a big send-off retirement fight to some degree for Diego Sanchez. And what is making this whole thing very bizarre is not just that Instagram post you're seeing there overnight which says free at last, free at last, shouting out all the rival organizations. Who, but the connection- who is Teresa Tapia? I don't know that, but the connection here, what makes this extra weird and awkward, Luke, is the coach. Joshua Fabia, a guy you have interviewed at length in the past, a controversial figure at best. Dana White overnight has given interviews to both Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports and Brett Okamoto of ESPN. And while the language is not direct that we are letting Diego Sanchez go because of Fabia, Luke, you got to connect the dots and realize it's a major part of it. And a major part of it is the bizarre video you're seeing in the background here. A two-part video that Sanchez posted on Instagram yesterday detailing the fighter meetings with the UFC broadcast team before his last fight in which Fabia commandeered, called out the announcers for putting a narrative in the minds of the fans and the media that was negative against him and Sanchez, getting into like... F-word arguments with with uh, 
uh, everybody Megan from John O'Levy, Anik, Paul Megan Felder, O'Levy, Angela Hill, Paul Felder. I mean, you know, my man, uh, my man, what's his name? The producer right there too, the big time from ESPN. The, the big Greg time. Greg Morsari. No, the uh, the, the, right there, right there. What's, what's my guy's name? Mikey, jump in here. I love that guy. Um, anyway, the whole point here is this is There's, is random. that Dave Lockett there too? This is random and bizarre, Luke. And if you look deeper into Kevin Ioli's story, you will see some extra, extra bizarre stuff that it appears UFC had growing concerns about the behavior of Fabia, including him reaching out, looking to get all the medical information of Diego Sanchez going back to his UFC debut in 2004, I believe, and then not answering the the subsequent questions, which led Dana White and company to believe that Sanchez is not physically or mentally healthy to go into this fight. That was a big part of them letting him go. There's other reports, including from the MiddleEasy.com, uh, Luke, who are saying that uh, maybe Fabia has like a dark control over not just Sanchez's thoughts, but his email, his phone, his social media. Luke, there's a lot of batshit crazy going on in this story. How do you decipher it? How big of a news is it that one of the legends of this sport in terms of name and fan interest has now exited the UFC? I mean, on some level, BC, maybe you'll disagree, but I don't think so. On some level, wasn't it always going to end badly for Diego in UFC? You know, I remember he did an interview years ago when I had just started working with MMA fighting. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd been there a year. And Diego went on uh, Ariel's show, the MMA Hour at the time, and did a long interview talking about how he had been scammed out of all of his money. Do you remember this? Yes. Yes, I yeah. do. You know, and, and he had talked about the falling out of some of the relationships that he had had, although some had been repaired, which was good to hear at the time. But that, you know, basically he had suffered terrible, terrible uh, scamming and it had, you know, brought devastation to his life and he was looking for, you know, some some kind of positive angle to move forward on. And I think for a time he did find it. I just mean to say, like, it's tragic and it's sad and I didn't know it was going to end quite like this, but that should have told us that however it was going to end, it was going to be ugly. It is, you know, it's sad, man, because Diego Sanchez... Um, you know, this guy has been with this organ. He won the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, which, by the way, he was made fun of on. He won it, and he had a long career. And it, while, you know, he never won a title, he did fight for one against BJ Penn. But he fought maybe the very best version of BJ Penn the world had ever seen. So, of course, he wasn't going to win that one. Um, And, you know, he has been something of like, not just a high performer for them for a long time and an important contributor to the Ultimate Fighter. Dude, Diego Sanchez, and I mean this as a compliment, he has been something of like a spirit animal, like a like a almost a mascot to a degree to the fan base for the fighters, like what it means to just be all in all the time and win or lose, you just get out there and you give it this competitive spirit. You, got, you lost the sense of that in the last few years, but for a long time, that is what he was. That is what he represented. And I say those very, very con- in a very complimentary way. But, dude, this is fucking terrible. Dude, what, what has to be wrong with the way in which you reason through the world to think that if you post those, you're going to come out looking better or that any other promotion that's going to see that is going to look at that and go, wow, we, we should do business with these people. Well, look, I want to cut you off there. It is red flag motherfucking city, B.C., 
it's red flag to a high degree, but I want to ask you based on the reporting from Kevin Ioli, the reporting from middle easy that like there's legit concern about this Fabia relationship, which obviously is not a surprise because their tandem has been bizarre. I mean, it's just, it's just the shit that that's come out. I mean, one of the, the, one of the things in, for example, that came out of the Ioli interview was on the night of the fight that, that Diego fought, um, Michael Chiesa, Fabia reportedly told a member of the Nevada athletic commission that he taught Sanchez a choke that if applied properly, I remember might, this, yes. might kill or paralyze Kiesa. I mean, there's there's multiple sort of bizarre instances here. Do you believe that the posting of those videos on Diego's IG account and that thing saying, you know, free at last, do, should we have any confidence that that's even Diego speaking at this point? And I know that sounds like soap opera bizarre to even ask, but it might be in play right now. I don't think it's wrong to, to ask. You know, we, we got to be very careful about what we declare that we know to be true, but it's certainly not at all unfair to ask. I interviewed Joshua Fabia for my radio show, as you had indicated, and, he, you know, he thinks I did not give him enough time to speak. This is a true statement. If you don't believe me, you can contact the head of programming for Combat Sports over there, Marissa Rivas, who was my old boss at the time, and she'll tell you this is true. I gave him more airtime as a guest than I've ever given anyone else. I've never done what I've done for him, ever. Because, you know, you're under a tight schedule. Here's what he doesn't understand, Joshua Fabia. The more he speaks, the worse it gets. You know, he doesn't understand that there is a, for him, there is a direct relationship between talking and everyone else getting concerned, right? And he just keeps going and going and going and going. And as a consequence, he's just heaping the problems by revealing all of these weird statements. And by the way, it should be noted, I don't know what role Stefan Bonner is playing. I don't know where his head's at these days, having that whole anti-mask breakdown for no reason and then co-signing on some of this stuff. There's a famous video, if you've never seen it, BC, when he was still, I think, with Carlson Gracie at the time, there was a local news report that went to some martial arts school in Chicago that claimed to know all this dim mock bullshit. And Stefan Bonner volunteered to be evidence that that shit didn't work and of course it didn't work on him and he's in this video how did he go from that to being an accomplice with all of this it's just a sad tale of decline and strangeness and the kinds of actors in this business that um find their ways into vulnerable people's lives and it's really just profoundly tragic if you yeah, ask that me. was that was that was some of the quotes that dana sort of echoed ioli saying uh you know, the, I, he's seen it a million times. What he's calling sort of these these leeches that are that are up to no good, clinging to fighters, taking an active role over them. I don't know how much we can believe or accept of the reports of this dark energy that he mind controls Sanchez. I don't know. Whatever. All I know is that. You know, Sanchez deserves our respect, certainly for the career he's had, the, how beloved he was. Look how um he's been able to sort of linger and linger in a way of sort of you know reimagining his style, adding to his game. He's never gotten over that hump, right? He was a title contender before. Yeah, one of his fights made the Hall of Fame. We love the guy, tough winner. But, you know, he stayed at a decently high level maybe until the last few fights where he'd get some surprise wins over guys. But um, the direction he went with Fabia in terms of the public look of it, the school of whatever, what do they call it? The school of... Uh, what is Fabia's training method called? The school of weird Touch thoughts? Touch button in the park? I don't know. I don't Something. know. But, Luke... I want to. This is a weird question because look, like maybe it's good that the Cerrone fight's not happening. It's not like anything's going to come good here out of Sanchez right. continuing to fight. That's but at right. least maybe that would have been a controlled fight against another aging veteran. I'm afraid that 
that where he goes from here because you know no. I don't want to no, no. see I'm him. glad I'm I'm glad they pulled I mean I'm not glad that they cut Diego like this is all endings the worst way possible but BC you would agree with me that video that he posted on his Instagram that wasn't this week that of course as you indicated was from the Jake Matthews fight over on Fight Island so what does that mean that means that Fabia and Diego were reacting to what had happened I think at the Rio Rancho fight where he fought Michelle Pereira and it looked like he had taken, he quit. Right. right? That's what it had looked like. Ha- and we- DC was very critical on the air, rightfully so, by the way, about right. it, about Diego's actions. Right. So they're reacting to that. I mean, here's the reality about all of this. Now, in the Matthews fight, it was better than it was um, in the Pereira fight or Pereira, whatever it is. It was, it was a better performance, but it was still losing. Still, at this point, BC, do you trust Diego to come in trained enough to defend yeah. himself? against a guy like Donald Cerrone. I realize that Donald's been, you know, he's been ridden hard and put away wet. I get it. I get it. But I think Donald would f- fuck him up real bad, and I don't think that's a thing we need to, like, you know, sanction at this point. You know, we saw some bad decisions made by Dana in the tail end of BJ Penn's career in, in a way to sort of help BJ, who was begging Dana for fights. And, you know, Dana admitted that he only booked this fight against Cowboy because Sanchez was begging him. So this was turns out to be a, a very sound decision by Dana, who, look, again, fueled by his sort of hatred and, and, and fear that Fabia is up to no good, but also the whole medical records not answering questions from the doctors. That's all weird, too. This is the best thing that can happen. I do not want to see Diego Sanchez like on PFL or Bellator against, you know, Josh Koscheck or Tyron Woodley coming up. I don't want to see any of that. Hopefully that's the right direction. The producer in the video, just for the record, Mikey Hook, is my guy Zach Candido from ESPN Zach MMA Candido. Live yes, fame. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Now one of the very, top. Very talented guy. Very talented guy with UFC. So he was you know, obviously sitting in on those meetings. Everyone sort of clapped back at Fabia, who, Luke, we saw that video pop up of Fabia and Matt Sarah at that time where it was almost the same thing. You know, why don't you respect me in, in sort of these tough fighters being like, what the F are you talking about? Get away from me. So hopefully this chapter can close in terms of our public eye. I hope Diego Sanchez can walk away. I hope he's got, you know, the money and the, and the, the safety and happiness of what he's accomplished in his career. But what a bizarre ending, Luke. Let's, let's keep it moving there. Wow. Oh, you know what, Luke? I was so broken up about it, though. Um, I did commission a, a painting last night to sort of sum up my feelings. I call okay, this. Let's see. Uh, Diego's nightmare. Your thoughts, Luke? I can't see it. I think you can see it just fine. It's a little. It's a little. Um, what's that painting that got stolen? The scream. This one. Uh, that one. Yeah, maybe. It's uh, got, mixed, maybe it's subconsciously influenced by that. No, it's that mixed with uh, Bill Cosby's rapey sweater. Wow, wow, all right, yeah. Diego's Nightmare, I'm adding it to my upcoming uh, archive. But people are willing to pay for these, Luke, on the MK merch site if, if I should should uh, should put them up there, all right? Uh, I don't believe that. All right, let's by keep it By the way, the scream here. was done by uh, Edvard Munch. Munch. Yeah, he definitely influenced me. So did Fabia for that painting. All right, Luke, uh, let's keep it going for a UFC Fight Night preview for Saturday Night Las Vegas. We're back at it at the Apex. A very freaking good light heavyweight bout in the main event. Two top five contenders as Dominic Reyes fresh off the two defeats, you know, the close decision to John Jones and the stoppage loss and the vacant title bout to Jan Blahowitz. He's going to take on the red 
hot Yuri Prohatska. Luke Prohatska is a friggin' wild man. He won his UFC debut by knockout over Volkan Ozdemir after getting hurt early in that fight. He's a wild fighter. He's won 11 in a row since his stoppage to Mohamed Lawal in Risen. He uh, also came back and, de and defeated King Mo by knockout in the rematch. Uh, he's got a stoppage win over Vadim Nemkov. This guy has really put together an impressive run here. I think he's... Uh, has 26 stoppage wins out of 27 total in his career. What are your expectations for violence, for future title contention in Saturday's main event? Dude, Prohotchka is a weird dude. I mean, we, you know, I, if, you, if, if you didn't know that from before, just watch BC's interview with him. He's an unusual character. And here's, here's to me the story of everything, BC. You mentioned, like, he's got a great winning record. That he, you know, may, he may have stumbled here or there in his career, but you know, he got the rematch and the revenge on King Mo. He has a win over a current Bellator light heavyweight champ, Vadim Nemkov. He beat uh, Volkan Uzdemir uh, in his UFC debut. But this, to me, is just like tells the story. Strikes landed per minute, so this is his offense on others. Five point six seven. That's very, very high. Super high. Okay. Strikes absorbed per minute. <laughs> seven. So he's got a negative differential from his UFC debut, but it's one that I believe he won via stoppage, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he KO'd, uh, TKO'd him in the second round against Uzdemir. So, like, it's weird. He'll do things that are unorthodox. He'll pay for them. Like, fighter, like Uzdemir was landed on this dude, make no mistake, but he still finds ways to win. He has a very unusual approach to the game. And you pointed it out, man, Dominic Reyes, I thought he beat John Jones, but it didn't matter. He didn't. And he didn't even obviously come close to beating Jan Blachowicz. He got smoked. Man, he needs a big win here. This was a guy that the division oh, yeah. was kind of being like, wow, he might be a future champion and certainly we do something special. And he got pretty close, but now it's time to get back on the winning side of things. And here's the thing. You can win 14 minutes and 59 seconds against this dude, but if you don't put him away, he's always dangerous. He's a very fun fighter, too. I love this fight. I really do. It's a great fight. Uh, Yuri is wild as shit. You know, like you said, you can hurt him and have control of the fight, and he's going to take chances and rally back. Uh, let's let's go to it right now. I did talk to him, as you mentioned, this week, and there's a lot of wild moments in that interview. Here's one of them around the new haircut that Prohatska is putting out there. You may have seen on Instagram. He calls it the antenna. Will the no, UFC it's, it's allow antenna. that? Yeah, it's 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 antenna. Antenna, we got antenna, it. Antenna, yes. sorry, antenna. Yes. Yeah, it's antenna because there I I can uh, catch the signal absolutely in in a fight to to know what to use for my opponent. Now, will and, you be allowed to wear that Saturday against Dom Reyes? Yeah, 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 sure. Right. But uh, I I think uh, I I'm very curious how 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 the UFC what 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 UFC says was say to me to this 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 uh, thing <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Luke. Uh, he call, he says the hair is. Whoa, whoa! It's inspired by uh, a Shaolin warrior that he feels he has that spirit inside of him, Luke. Um, mm -hmm. He is a wild man. He's a fun dude, but uh, this is going to be interesting. So here's the deal on this fight. You right now have Prohatska as a slight betting favorite, according to William Hill, our partner there. Uh, I like Dom Reyes at the plus money here. Dom Reyes is too good to lose three in a row. I, I thoroughly believe Dom Reyes has the advantage in, from the standpoint of technique, boxing ability, footwork. Yes, uh, as long as this fight goes, Prohatska is going to be in it. Yes, Prohatska is on the kind of run right now, 11 in a row. So many stoppage wins put together. He's also stopped 
Fabio Maldonado, CB Dalloway, Augusto Sakai. I mean, he's put together, or not, I mean, Satoshi Ishii. He's put together some stoppage wins against guys you've heard of, you know, Vadim Nemkov at the highest level, of course. But I think this is Reyes' fight to win, Luke, and I think he's too good to lose three in a row. Also, this is his referendum moment. You know, it, it seemed like after that John Jones fight and how good Reyes fought, that with Jones going to heavyweight, that that vacant title fight was almost set up for Dom to win. Blahowitz was the, the the veteran who we'd seen gotten beat before, was in his late 30s, and it just so happened Blahowitz is better than we thought, peaked at the right moment, and stopped Reyes. If you're Dom Reyes, though, you're not going to have any more motivation than you're going to have at this moment. Luke, he's going to have to be sharp, smart, and sound defensively. But the key for me is this. Prohatska is there to be hit. He's a firecracker in your hand, but he's there to be hit. I love Dom Reyes at some plus money here to get this win and maybe get himself back in position after Jan Blahowitz takes on Glover Teixeira to be ready for another title shot. Yeah, the thing about Prohachka that you have to be mindful of is that, as you indicated, he's there to be hit, 100% true, but you got to be a little bit judicious about how many times you reach into the cookie jar. What I mean to say is sometimes he will be available for some kind of counterpunching or whatever. He's open in some kind of way, and you'll want to take it. There's going to be a lot of times where he makes himself available, and then he'll build some kind of crazy offensive response to that as you try to go back and attack him. What I mean to say is, you can't just take every opportunity where he is open. He's a little bit unusual in that case, where if you're fighting another person and they're somewhat conventional and they're open, take the opportunity. With Prohachka, you got to take like you have to be very careful about which opportunities you take because if you go and 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 um, you know o- overextend yourself, he'll just keep adding on new layers of risk, and a lot of times it pays off when people are are uh, baited into. A sense of easiness about how it is to hit him. So, yet here's what Dominic Reyes has to do, BC. And we talk about it all the time, but it's really true for this one. You, you just don't make mistakes. You know, have a very disciplined, careful, well executed game plan. We'll talk about Rory McDonald. I thought he did exactly that last night at PFL. Don't take a bunch of dumb risks, execute your game plan. And Prohachka is a tough customer, but if you're disciplined uh, and you're as talented as Dominic Reyes, that's a winnable fight for sure. You know, and I do wonder, and it's, you know, no, no fighter at the highest level, smallest level is not, you know, sometimes always able to avoid this. I wonder if Dom Reyes got a little too confident. He saw that he, you know, almost beat John Jones, and in some people's eyes did beat John Jones. He knew that vacant title fight was almost set up now to give him his chance. I'm sure he thought, you know what, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to box. I'm going to outpoint Jan Blahowicz. I'm going to win the title. And maybe he was surprised by the explosion, the speed. Look, let's give Jan credit. He can disguise his strikes. That kick to the body turned out to be a, you know, a turning point moment in that fight. It landed some damage. Um, this is this is Dom Reyes' fight to win in my eyes, but... I got to be happy how quickly UFC is reloading here because when John Jones went north, it seemed wide open, Luke, and it's still wide open, right? We're gonna. We, I, I want to ask you in five seconds, which light heavyweight do you think is the future of this division? No disrespect to Jan. He's 38. He's on a great run. He just beat Adesanya. But who's the three- to five-year face of this division? If Reyes wins on Saturday, he has a chance to be that. But for all the respectable and legit talk, that the Bellator light heavyweight division is, you know, on par or some people think better or whatever in the conversation with UFC. It is. That Bellator Grand Prix is stacked with guys. But UFC's reloading pretty well here, Luke, when you consider we've got Glover Teixeira, Dom Reyes, uh, Maheta, Prohatska, your guy Anthony Smith, 
uh, Ankalaev, Krylov, Johnny Walker. I mean, not, you know, all-star elite household names here. But I'm now gearing up and getting really interested. Got Rakic. Who is going to be the guy that comes out in the three- to five-year window as the face of this division? Um, my money's still on Dom Reyes, I think. I think, I think. I think that's wise because, because uh, Prochka, I'm not sure how old he is. I don't think he's very old. But Blahovich is old, you know, old. Uh, which is to say, you know, three years. Or I think he's going to hold the title for three years. No, I don't. I think there's probably going to be somebody that comes along in that time. And, you know, who that is and when that is, obviously we'll figure that out at a later date. But um, but you're right. There are Dominic Reyes is still a pretty young guy. He still has some time to really settle into this role. And he kind of – I was saying this. Dude, he didn't make his pro debut until, what was it, 2014? I mean, John had been the champion at that point for years. For years. So, you know, to get that good that fast, that says a lot – but he stumbled a little bit. Okay, well, he trains with a good team. Uh, Joe Daddy Stevenson is his head coach. They know exactly what they're doing. You have a very tough challenge in this Saturday. Don't misunder- I mean, listen, we're, we're bigging up Dominic Reyes here, and I think we should because I think he's very talented. But BC, we should also note, Prochka, man, he, he's going to beat good guys. You know, he just is. Whether he he's beats Dominic Reyes TV on Saturday. Fighter. Yeah. Whether he beats Dominic Reyes on Saturday or not is we'll see. But if he doesn't, trust me, he's going to beat someone else good right behind that. But I do believe, I really believe that Dominic Reyes has showed us the things you need to see to say this guy's upside long term is very, very high. And can he get there with a loss? I, you know, I'd have I'd have legit questions. So uh, shout out to Prohatska for being that weird, Luke. He calls that antenna. He says it picks up Wi-Fi. He can communicate with his coaches. I asked him if the ladies like it. He said, I don't care. <laughs> all right, all right, Luke. I'm this guy's. The, old those school. are those are, dude. The, when, when and you and you and you believe him, don't you? Right, because yeah. you just look at him. This is a guy who is unencumbered by what the outside world thinks about him. You know, he's strange, but I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, look, Luke is. You know, am I a little strange, Luke? You're not strange. You're more just brain damaged. That's different. Wow, wow. You're not crazy. You're just a little CTE'd, my friend. All right. You're a little unwell. All right. Uh, Code, thank you. I guess. Uh, okay. Uh, Luke, on this card, up and down, uh, some interesting fights. Let, let's let's put some respect on a few of these ones right here. Are you all moved right. by this featherweight main event, the always all action Cub Swanson against Giga Chikadze? Giga. You mean, you mean Giga Chikadze? Ninja Jakadze. That's a good uh, name, too. Yeah, that fight's sick, dude. Ed Gary Jakadze, glory fighter. Uh, excellent kickboxing. Trains with Rafael Cordero out of King's MMA. Has had tough fight after tough fight after tough fight. Everybody wants to wrestle him, as you can well imagine. He's had to show well-rounded skills. But I think he's done a great job of that. I think he's really come into his own. Um, obviously, he had the loss on the Contender Series. But since then, he's looked amazing. He hasn't lost a single fight. So... Uh, Cub Swanson has gotten right after he had a terrible career slide, but then he beat Crone, which he should have. But then the Daniel Pineda fight where he just completely outclassed him. I mean, Cub Swanson, man, I said this on Twitter. The guy is impossible to dislike. I've known him behind the scenes for some time, and I think he's smart. He's a family guy. He stays out of trouble. You've never heard anybody privately talk shit about Cub Swanson. People love Cub Swanson. Um, but he's got a tough fight in front of him. So I like it because he's a bite-down-on-the-mouthpiece type. He's well-rounded. Um, Giga Chikadze's trying to come up and take some of the places that Cub Swanson has been. Cub wants to hold on to him. Great, great fight. Love it. 
Love it as well. Also, when you get that incredible Hulk Kutelaba back in the mix anytime, Luke, win or lose, fight being called off or not, he's going to do something wild at the weigh-in, and he's probably going to bang with Justin Jacoby here in a light heavyweight tilt. Is he going to bang with him? Yeah, yeah, he's good. Hey, uh, hey, Tui, this is uh, Greg Hardy. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready yeah, to you bang. you want to bang. I'm ready to bang. Uh, the, other, the, the one I got my eye on is a little bit different than that one, BC. It should be noted the Bantamweight contest. Marab yes. Davalashvili taking on Cody Stamen. Davalashvili doesn't have a lot of polish as a fighter. Like, he doesn't have, like, super killer finishing ability. But he has maybe the most insane motor and engine oh, yeah. I've ever seen on a fighter. And that is going to be tough for anybody to handle. He's a dark horse, I don't want to say title contender, but he's going to give a lot of guys problems in this deep-ass division, Luke. He's on a nice little run yes. there. And uh, look, the women's strawweight bout deep on that preliminary card. I pop for Luma Luke Boonmi. She's fun, Luke. She's got some kicks, man. Super you good. Uh, you know, experienced Thai fighter who has made a, a great transition to MMA. She's trained <clears throat> excuse me, by the Hickman brothers out of Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand. Um, she, you know, she's had a couple of, I think she stumbled in the UFC already, but yeah, when Angela she's on, yeah. yeah, yeah. But when she's on, she looks great and looking forward to seeing, yeah, the card, listen, it's a bit of a hardcore delight, but I always say this. People always ask me, BC, like, what's the benefit of being a hardcore fan? And I always tell them, dude, if you're a hardcore fan, you know where the good stuff is to look for, you know, exactly where to find it. And you get to go and watch that. And all the casuals, they have to sign up for a big fight. And sometimes big fights are great. And sometimes they're Mayweather versus Pacquiao, and they're not, you know? So you get to get all the ones that they missed. That's the benefit. Well said, Luke. And for as much as we are rightfully lamenting the loss of Rumble Romero, it is a great time to be an MMA fan right now. I mean, UFC is overloading the schedule with great fights. Bellator has some great matchups ahead. And, Luke, this week we got PFL in one I mean, just giving us some extra shit to look at, that was pretty damn fun. So let's get a quick recap going of what we learned this week, starting with Thursday night's PFL 2 card from Atlantic City. Luke, uh, Rory McDonald making his promotional debut in the fir in to kick off the regular season at welterweight against fellow UFC vet Curtis Millinder, and it was one-sided traffic en route to a quick submission win. I'll tell you what with Rory... Even in winning the Bellator welterweight title, even in being in big fights over there and then having the weird hiccup with, uh, with John Fitch uh, through losing his title to Lima in the rematch, you know, he never looked comfortable with Bellator. He was obviously going through a lot of internal battles, spiritual battles, all that. He took a full year off. You know, you can argue Millinder's got a name, but is he of Rory's level? Well, no. But I was way more interested in Rory's spirit uh, interview in terms of you know how he looked confidence comfortability all that i'd have to say it's a it's a 100 a, you know 10 out of 10 from the standpoint of making me believe that he still has a bright future in this in this uh in this game and that he's back mentally where he needs to be yeah i don't i mean let's be real about this part of the reason why we watched this fight okay it was the main event okay um curtis millinder i said this on twitter on the feet probably better than rory mcdonald like pure striking he probably is better than rory Overall, though, he's had some defensive wrestling issues and some grappling issues, and he's had some fight IQ issues related to uh, his his liabilities there. But on the feet, you know, he was he was you know, he, if that fight had just been a kickboxing fight, I would pick Millinder to win. But the real question was, as you know as well as I do, BC, is is Rory McDonald washed? That's what we were looking for. That's what we were trying to figure out. Is he washed? And I got to tell you, uh, he did not look washed at all. 
He looked great. Now, I don't know that he's like back to the guy that, you know, was ready to fight Robbie Lawler in the way that he fought Robbie Lawler. But I will say he looked better in his PFL debut than he did in his Bellator exit. I think that's a pretty fair statement to make. And I will also add this, BC, and I wonder what you make of it. A lot of, if you ask me the difference between boxing training and MMA training, Ben Askren did say one thing that I thought was kind of on the money. I know he didn't do a whole lot, nor is he the best representative to understand both. But we, we know the truth. The injury load in boxing, while it can be significant over time, especially with injuries to the hand or the brain, obviously. But the rest of the body, you know, you don't see as many ACL tears. You don't see as many low back problems or shoulder surgeries, um, surprisingly, as you might in MMA for all the other reasons. What I mean to say is that, dude, it just beats you up. The game is vicious in MMA, and it grinds you down, even if you're uh, winning or you're a champion or whatever. It's brutal. I think him taking the pandemic off and just staying with his family, really taking time to address some of the things that were wrong in his game and getting better. Listen, I still think there's some tread on those tires that you can't ignore. You know, he has been put through the ringer, but I do think that taking some extra time off, these guys want to compete all the time because they're looking for money. But what if you just said, wait a second, wait a second, let me just get healthy for a year. Let me just be in great physical condition. What kind of rejuvenating process does that have internally? And what kind of rejuvenating process does that have for one's body? So far for Rory McDonald, it looks to have done wonders Huge. for him, Brian Campbell. Huge. I mean, look, like, that's why we take vacations from our day job. I mean, Luke, I went to the mountains of Tennessee. I came back on freaking fire, Luke. A critic's delight, ready to drive this ship to the stratosphere, sitting next to you as your co-pilot, co-host. So I get that rejuvenation, only I don't take the grind of punches for a living. I take the grind of my food choices. So, Luke, back to this, what matters here. You know who... All right, let me, let me stop the presses and say this. Again, to echo your hilarious rant, do I care that Chris Camozzi's bad tattoos and punches land at 10.2 miles per hour? Not really. But you know what I like a lot? This PFL broadcast and presentation. I was like, again, not into it last couple years. This announced team is gelling together perfectly. And do I take an L or a dead wrong for not knowing the play-by-play -play guy was a former fighter and he was the 2018 champion? I remember that story when he transitioned to the booth. But he's doing very well at play-by-play. -play. I love the Kenny Florian-Randy Couture connection. And you know what? I think I'm a PFL fan. I think they're kind of getting me. Do I care if Ray Lewis or Marshawn Lynch is buying into this? No, I really don't care. Give me fights. They're giving me fights with names I, I care about. So in terms of who I want to see Rory face during this regular season, Luke Ray Cooper III, one of the rare guys I did sort of follow in PFL last couple years, he's on a great run. He won their welterweight tournament last year with one finish after another. And did you see him in that co-main event on Thursday night against Jason Ponet just handle the fella and get a tri arm triangle choke at 123 of the first round. I'm thinking Rory Ray Cooper is going to be some good business down the line, Luke. Yeah, it will be. And also, you know, uh, he's been a staple of World Series of Fighting and PFL. But Joan Zeferino, you know, he's had a great career that only hardcores have really ever paid attention to. I'm not saying he's the, you know, the best welterweight on earth or anything like that. He may not even be the best welterweight in PFL. It probably isn't. But he is pretty damn good. He's got great jujitsu. And I pointed this out last night. He's got like modern jujitsu where um, rather than going for a sweep where I the person's on top, I'm not trying to get on top of them. I just want to use my jujitsu to create separation so I can stand. 
You know, he's so in other words, you don't even have to make a successful sweep. You can get halfway there. You can do a halfway sweep. But he's got all those little tricks. So, you know, he stands up in unique ways. He's actually got some pretty decent striking. He's been in there with very tough fighters. He looked good against Gleason Tebow, too, although Tebow put it on him for um, a time as well. Listen, if you're a hardcore fan and you're reasonably knowledge, knowledgeable about what's out there, you can find great fights everywhere, man. There's so many places to watch good fights. Obviously, the best for them in, in general are going to be in UFC, but here we are. We like I did not have a bad time watching PFL. I will say this. On their broadcast, BC, I'm with you. I like their graphics package, but the overlays about the strike being you know 15 miles an hour, I mean, who could possibly give a fuck other than a, a nobody? That is stupid. And well, then they I call like their the, cage. Hold, like on, the hold, on, BC, BC, hold on, hold on, hold on, BC. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. They call their cage the smart cage. Why is your cage smart? <laughs> your cage isn't smart. I can't ask it for directions. It's not going to order me a fucking Uber home or a Taco Bell Uber it Eats. It might have Alexa, Luke. It might. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> is it, does, does it have Alexa? Can I order Teen Wolf on Prime Video if I'm in the smart? It's, stop calling it the smart fucking cage. Ain't nothing smart about it. But, but. The lighting scheme they use is amazing, and they have the scaffolding all over it that they shine the lights on, and it creates this like super modern, very interesting, reflective, and, and well-lit environment, and it looks awesome on TV. I have I to agree. I think they're making interesting attempts to change the game. Stuff that in the past we said, oh, that's cute. Who cares? Whatever. But here's the deal, Luke. You could argue the pluses or minuses of the regular season and playoff format that they are operating and have been. Like, is it good for business to close up shop and be out of sight, out of mind? You can argue maybe not. But for the fighters, it's probably certainly good to have that long stretch of time off. And I do like the idea, which no one's really done in combat sports, of of like, you know, having a reigning champion. Okay, you have a champion who has to defend the belts and, and keep moving, but like you know who was the champion of each year. It does make an interesting turn into the team sport way of doing things and how we look at it, where um, I don't think the rest of the leagues are going to change, nor should they to adapt to it. But when you mix that 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 cute idea with fighters we might actually care about, I think it's easier to digest it and go, you know what, this is different, but I do kind of like it. And I want final thing I want to say on this is uh, that Kayla Harrison video package that they showed to preview her next fight about the the, the sort of uh, human interest turn that her personal life has taken where she has uh, adopted her nieces and nephew. Um, I don't know the story about why her nieces and nephew were living with her mom, but after her mom had a stroke, she became a mother and adopted them. Luke, that was uh, that was heartwarming. I mean, that was some good shit you know, right You there. know she told me that story in my interview here on Morning Combat, right? I take it you didn't see that? I, you take it correctly, Luke, okay? <laughs> You know, I always love it when you bring up details that we went over months ago. I mean, the thing right though, here Luke, on MK is like you know you didn't have the video of her with the kids, so it really didn't hit. No, me, no, right? no, no. The little boy was in the video at the end. That's actually not true. Man, you, you know what you sound like right now when my wife's like, "I told you you had to pick up the kids at practice today. You agreed to it. We had this conversation already." No, All this right. is me as your wife complaining you don't bang me enough or something. Wow. God. Wow. <laughs> Woo. All right, Luke. Uh, I'm going to commission a painting about you tonight. All right, Luke? Uh, yeah. 
Hey, listen, Woo. it's Friday show. Can we just, you know, relax yeah. a little? All right, Wednesday night, Luke, we got the fourth and final installment of one on TNT and those four cards that they were rolling out. I don't know where the future is for them. Luke, full disclosure, am I a filthy cashier? I didn't catch these. I caught PFL last night. I didn't catch the one, but the big I story did, is... I did watch one. I did All watch right, one. All right, well, let's have you talk about it. Eddie Alvarez came back on a short turnaround after that DQ turn no contest. But, Luke, he didn't find a victory in front of him. He found an L. What does this mm. mean for Eddie Alvarez's future? It's bad. He lost the Nasty Yukin fight. He did have a rebound. And then he had the one previous to this one where it was, you know, unfortunate. Let's put it that way. It ended quickly. And then he had this one where I, I had a bunch of people who had apparently been in car accidents and had lobotomies afterwards to repair the damage come after me on Twitter because they don't understand anything, which, you know, God bless them. You got to forgive them. But a lot of folks were not understanding how Eddie could have lost that fight. Well, the answer is quite easy. He lost it under one rules. Now, maybe you could argue under a 10-9 must system that he would have won, although even then it probably would have been a draw because you would have had a 10-8 first round and then two 10-9s in the subsequent two. But that's not how one works. They don't judge fights by rounds. And so what happens is in the first round, it was a little bit back and forth, you know, normal round, but Eddie uh, was getting landed on a little bit by the right hand, or maybe it was the left, the, bat, the, the, the power hand of his opponent. And it dropped him eventually. And, dude, he nearly got finished off. In fact, if you'd have had a ref who was even a little bit more gun-shy, they would have called that, and you honestly couldn't have even been all that upset. That referee gave him every opportunity to continue, and that was good because we all know Eddie kind of gets dropped a lot and then comes back and has better performances afterwards. Um, so he actually did get back up towards the end of the round and fought back a little bit. And in the next two rounds, BC, he had a very tired opponent, that he was landing on more than he was getting hit, but not by a dramatic degree, and he couldn't take him down and would spend inordinate amounts of time pressing him into the fence. So, like, did Eddie win the second and third round? Yeah, of course he did, but here's how one works. You judge the fight, as I indicated, as a whole. So if you're looking at who brought their opponent to the brink, who did the most serious damage to their opponent, the answer is quite obviously uh, the Korean gentleman whose last name is, is, is Ok or it's pronounced Ok. I don't know I don't know how you pronounce his name. I had the, the TV on mute. But here's my point, BC. Folks have said, well, how can that be? Eddie won like 10 or 11 minutes of the fight. The other guy only won three or four. But that you're just now counting minutes like rounds. That's not how they count. That's not how they. That, that's not what they mean when they say winning fights as a whole. Forget the time. Forget everything for just a second. Who did the best work? So in that first frame, it was obviously Eddie's opponent. Eddie was going to have to do something special in the second and third round to match or exceed that, and he was better in the second and third round than his opponents. But he never did anything to make up for that, and so he lost. People didn't understand that. I got to tell you, folks. According to the way in which one judges fights, he is the rightful loser. And I don't say that with pride or glee or whatever. Like, it's just the reality of things. So, dude, we say it all the time, BC. How many times have we said on this show, you can go to any organization in the world, ask for their lightweights, and those dudes are going to be badass fucking fighters, man. That's just the reality, and that's what he dealt with here. What do you think Eddie Alvarez should do at 37? He has lost... Three out of his last four, plus that no contest. Um, you know, one one of those losses going back to the loss to Poirier in the UFC in the rematch. You know, he's still marketable to a degree, fun fighter to a degree. 
you know, quasi world class to a degree. I don't know the terms of his contract, but is it is it almost closing time here, Semisonic? It's pretty close, dude. To be 37, we, we talked about with Tyron Woodley, 38, 39. I think he's 39 now, uh, Tyron Woodley, because um, I think his birthday was in April. So he's 39 at welterweight. Bro, that is not, that's a hard place to be at 39 years of age. And at lightweight, dude, I mean, and also, by the way, you get to see his opponent. It's uh, Oak or OK Ray Yoon, this guy. He was fucking huge. He looked, way- dude, Eddie's not a small guy. For his weight class, and he looked to be a weight class bigger than Eddie. Eddie could not take him down, and I think that probably played a role in it, to be quite honest with you, even though the guy gassed. So I'll say this, dude. Does he need to hang it up right away? Well, here's the thing, BC. He's in one, and he wasn't blown out of this fight, although he got bad in the first, but he did hang on. The fight before this was kind of accidental, and the guy he lost to in his debut, you know, okay, Eddie's not one of the very, very best lightweights in the world. But if he's in one, they can find him fights where he can be competitive and stay in it. What I'm going to say, though, is if he has another fight with another guy who I'm sure is a good fighter, but let's say he just doesn't have a Wikipedia entry, and he's getting dropped and nearly finished against those guys, well, then he might have some questions to ask himself. But there is one point I'd like to make. Listen, I hope Eddie made a shit ton of money at one. He's had four fights with them. I don't know what exactly the truth is, but if anyone deserves to get paid in combat sports, well, Jesus Christ, it's Eddie Alvarez. And then, you know, you know, I don't even know who the close second would be. So I hope he got paid. But I remember when he signed, do you remember that they touted that it was a eight-figure deal, if memory serves? Do you remember that? That it was an eight-figure yes. deal? Yes. Does anyone really believe that he's getting paid eight figures at all through the life of this deal or even annually um, over there at one? Because I certainly do not. All right. All right. A couple quick points here I want to get you to. I didn't watch this card so people can make fun of me all they want and say I'm this or that. I also regularly mispronounce the names of foreign fighters accidentally, so I get a lot of DM hate on that. Do you think you deserve the hate you get from our fans for not watching fights with sound on? (laughs) No. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to hate me. Yes. That's got to be one of the stupidest ones. Okay, people, people have their opinion. The other thing is, Luke, which... Rule adaption for top-level American MMA, whether that's you know UFC and Bellator, maybe PFL, whatever, do you think is better for the sport if you had to make one of the two changes? Going to the one scoring system of scoring the whole fight rather than the 10-point must system, or going to the pride risen style of a 10-minute first round and then five-minute rounds after that? Which one Man. would better improve today's modern U.S. top-level MMA? Dude, don't you remember the days of the 10-minute first round? That is fucking brutal. Well, you dude, know, that's why fu- Prohatska beat Nemkov, because the first round was 10 minutes, and Nemkov was exhausted afterwards and beat up from the wrestling, and he was just done, and Prohatska won by TKO. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, he has had some gas tank issues he's had to work on. That's a good point. I'm going to go with the scoring criteria. I know that everyone feels like we're at a better place than we have been in a long time. That might certainly be true. Um, and that we've, you know, we're slowly but surely getting it right. But to me, we're all just trying to retrofit Betamaxes to make it work. It's not the scoring criteria for us. I really believe that the way Pride and One do it, it's not. You know, we had Aaron Bronson on when you when you were gone, BC, and he advocates for asked for his least popular MMA opinion, and he likes the half point system. And I know that it sounds intuitive to a lot of people. Give them the degree of nuance to separate all of these cases that are not exactly the same. And that sounds good in theory, but I think in practice, all it ends up doing is actually making it worse. I actually feel like you have to dial it back a little bit. You need to get informed observers and judges. Yes, qualified ones, 100%. 
but I actually feel like taking a less of a um, particular stance on numeracy and then absorbing the experience as just one kind of event, I actually feel like you get better results that way. That's a personal opinion. So I would go with the changing of those. Dude, one has good product, man. They, They make good shit. I like what they make, and I really like their scoring. I think it's the right way to do it. You lost me at numeracy. I'll have to look that up later. But uh, uh, I do love Aaron Bronstetter, despite the fact that his half-point must system may not work here in these parts. you think Aaron Bronstetter and I could put forth a, a new product, a podcast for the people, where we talk about vinyl records and jazz music and we get people really enthused for our artistic side? What should we call that? Uh, the podcast no one listens to. I'm a big fan of that Canadian, so you deal with that. Uh, quickly, Luke, um, Shinya Yaoki won his trilogy against Ed Furlong in their Terminator 3 <laughs> matchup by first-round submission. Um, did that move you? Or Rug Rug Umar Kane took an L, Luke. Dude, Rug Rug looked bad. He did not look good, bro. He looked real bad. He looked like he quit, too, by the way. People say he quit on Twitter. People are ripping yeah. him bad. I he, he, listen, he's not an experienced fighter. He's a physical marvel. He's, he looks like peak masculinity, and that's why everybody loves him. Plus, he's got a great name. Uh, but he's not an experienced fighter, and he, they gave him an experienced fighter. A guy who's actually pretty good. And it look, I mean, listen, I'm, I, you know that my rule on this, man, I, I'm very hesitant to start beginning without like a medical degree or even a chance to like even look at someone up, up close. I'm very hesitant to make pronouncements about people's medical conditions. I will say it did look look like he quit. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this correctly, so let me skate easily. Rainier de Ritter in the main event, the light heavyweight, became one. He looks good. A two-division champion. He beat yep. the guy with the New Year's Eve-sounding name that I will not insult by saying it wrong. All by decision. Langzine. Yeah, he now has two belts. Is this guy legit? Yeah, he's very legit. He looks awesome. He's a guy that a lot of people are not going to be aware of. I don't know what's going to be next for him, but some, some major promotion is going to snatch him up. Because he's good, dude. He can fight his ass off. He's super well-rounded, good cardio, doesn't make a ton of errors, um, good power. Like, he can fight. He's, he's, he's good. All right, let's continue the news cycle here, Luke. Uh, Thursday, Dana White and company, and when, by company I mean WME, Endeavor, whatever you want to call them, Ari Emanuel, they were in New York City at the Stock Exchange. They have gone public, Luke. And uh, in the first, what, 12 to 24 hours, they've raised $577 million after going public and raised their stock price to ridiculous levels. It began trading at $24 per share, closed at $25.20. Luke, I know nothing about that and may even care even less, but we can get to that in a second. I just want to talk about how jacked Dana White is in this picture outside of the stock exchange. One Everybody's in a suit. Patrick Whitesell, Ari Emanuel, Dana's showing up in a black t-shirt. Two, that's a mask in his hand. He wore the mask when they hit the I damn know, bell and they posed I for know, the photo. The scandal. Luke, I'll have what this man's having here. He may not yeah. jump off a cliff, but he's looking like Prime Lorenzo there. Bro, here's what I'll say. I saw Lorenzo in person and we talked about him lifting weights. This was at the um when was that? Oh, when the when New York was uh, legalizing MMA, I had an interview with Lorenzo Fertitta there. We were talking about it. Listen, I'll say this. It's none of our business what they want to look like. I know a lot of people have speculated how, as Lorenzo and, and Dana, are, are, they, are they looking a little saucy? Not, not your business. Not my business. Don't care if they are. But I'll say this, BC. 
as a guy who's getting up there in age and feeling like a dirtbag piece of crap every morning because shit doesn't work the way it's supposed to, Dana White's giving me hope. There might be something out there, whether it's yes. creatine or something you can only get at the doctor. I don't know. I don't care. It's not, who, it doesn't matter. I want what he's having. I'll have a uh, waiter. I'll have what he's having over at table four. You know what I'm saying? Back when I worked at ESPN, there was somebody there. I forgot the guy's name. So he'll just be my source. He said he knew the Fertitas and that they're, they love some HGH and that they think everyone will be taking it in 20 years. Everybody. So Luke, maybe there's still hope that your old ass can be jacked. All right. Let me, can you do a John Nash for me? A guy I respect a lot and tell me going public. It seemed like a great first day for them financially. Two-part question. One, um, what kind of effect will this have on, on, on UFC's promotional ability and, and sphere moving forward? And uh, two, um, shouldn't the fighters get a cut of this? Uh, I don't know if they should get a cut of the public company necessarily. So, no, I don't know that that part would be at all involved. But, um, oh, and, listen, and, and when they... Doesn't this mean it'll go public? Will we know more about their financial future now that they're public? To, to a degree. To a degree. It won't... It's not like every time for every event you're going to be able to get an itemized receipt. You'll get a general sense and, I think, uh, quarterly, excuse me, you'll get a general sense quarterly about how much money is being raised, how much is being lost uh, and spent in certain ways. But you're not going to get quite the detailed breakdown that the court order has provided so there's some financial transparency that comes with it but perhaps not as much as you would you would expect but also that doesn't really matter you had financial transparency and you unless you do something about that information it doesn't mean much like oh we now know what fighters make okay so now what okay you know it what what good is knowing it if you don't act upon it so uh, even if you had transparency i don't know that what that was supposed to be to mean um to me this is just about you know, sort of the, the, the state of um, public offerings in general and this, this particular brand, uh, the WME brand uh, specifically. But what I would say is don't, won't mean much event to event. Won't, you won't really notice uh, the differences with how fights are made by and large. There might be some that are grander and bigger and a little less necessary than normal, but I, I, I tend to think fight, event over event, you won't really feel it. The thing I found kind of interesting was less about this, but it was a similar announcement, which was that uh, they were going to get into the NFT business, which is, I want to be clear about this. The NFT business is a scam that is put forward by like Bitcoin douchebags. It's a totally inflated bubble and market that is, it's hard to even explain to people like what you're getting. Um, but the numbers on it, like if you look at Top Shot for NBA, they do hundreds of millions of, uh, I think, annual sales. I would like to see fighters cut in on that if this is going to be a thing that actually matures and turns into something, which it could, I suppose. Um, didn't see any plans for that, BC. Can't say I'm surprised by it either. Dude, Look, it's up to the fucking fighters at this point. Do y'all want a slice of this shit or do you not? Because me and BC can talk about it forever. It ain't going to change some, anything. Wasn't there something that came out yesterday that the new Endeavor ev evaluation is like $10 billion or something absurd? That's just what, yeah, That's but that's all of the, I mean, that's several assets beyond just UFC. There's actually a lot there in that portfolio. So, But how five much, years I mean, later, it's laughable to try to say that Endeavor overpaid for $4 billion for the UFC now. They've made their money. This is a success, right? This is a, a rousing success. You can still overpay, and then if 
I mean, yes. I mean, I think you're basically right. Like, did they make... Was that a... Dude, that purchase of the UFC, whether it should have been $2 billion, $1 billion, $4 billion, or $5 billion, it saved Endeavor in the pandemic. It saved them, dude. They were in deep financial distress. And the UFC, during that time, fucking printed money. So whatever they paid for it, it was worth it times a thousand. If it means existence versus potentially no existence. So when when I had Dana White on CBS Sports HQ ahead of, so this would be after the quarantine started last April, a week, but I think it was a week after, before or after that first card, which was what Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. You remember remember that? Yes. And I said to him, you know, I gave him the floor to talk about, you know, the the criticism that he was, uh, you know, receiving over the Tachi Palace, all that. I was judicious. But one thing I asked him, Luke, was, uh, you know, your over ambition to put on cards no matter what, even against danger and criticism, you know, for health and all that. Is that because, you know, how much of a factor is the fact that, Endeavor doesn't get that reported $750 million annually from Disney and ESPN unless you fulfill your minimum number of shows. And with Endeavor struggling at that time, is this your pure motivation? And, and you know, he told me, Luke, on the air there, like, that that's a joke. No one has a clue what they're talking about. In hindsight, that's, that's the reason why, right? Yeah. In <laughs> hindsight, you were exactly correct in asking for it, that they had contractual obligations about a certain amount of inventory they have to produce annually to get the money, um, and then making sure they had that money when they wanted Because remember, they tried to do an IPO before the pandemic, and it failed. Now, that was in the wake of some other failures at the IPO table, including but not limited to WeWork, and it was this, this disastrous moment. So they kind of, everyone backed away, then the pandemic hit. But dude, they could not, I mean, they had, they, they, this was part of their grand scheme. They were gonna do it one way or the other. They, they needed UFC to have a monster year. So it's not just, in fairness to Dana a little bit, it's not just getting those, in, those events out the door. It's complimented by the stature of them and how well they're made and who else you and had look, in rotation. He's, he's naturally ambitious as a leader not sure. to want to sit back and wait. And I'm not telling that story to dunk on him. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, look, was I the centerpiece of that four-minute video that people hate that I bring up constantly? <laughs> now I bring it up just to just to troll you guys. But, but you know, uh, again, not wrong. Not wrong at the end no, of the day. No, not wrong either. at all. So, Absolutely hey, Dana, not, not wrong. we know you have certain like reasons you do things just be honest about it brother come on you know that's what i'm saying you know just call it like it is like hey man listen it's 700 plus million dollars fuck yeah we're gonna put on events <laughs> to get that money are you fucking insane like who, who can piss do the nfl can't piss away 750 million you know and what Dana's i mean is also an employee of endeavor at the end of the day a rich employee with a lot of stock but employee at the end of the day and his job is to keep Endeavor afloat for this public IPO, which just happened. So it's it, it's all connected. Let's keep it moving, Luke. we got a couple of boxing headlines of, of different levels of bizarre and ridiculous to get to. And I want you to get to your doctor on time for your... Yes. Is, is it prostate today? No. Today is the gallbladder. The one that put me in the hospital. Ooh, okay. All right. I got to make Did sure Did I tell you, you I might get surgery in Columbia? No, no, you didn't. Breaking news yeah. here. On well, here's the deal. So my wife's uncle, who was just here, he was visiting. Uh, he's a surgeon there, fully vaxxed. 
And he is the top surgeon in maybe, certainly in all of Colombia, but maybe all of South America for gallbladder issues. Uh, they fly him to Europe to do surgeries all the time. He gives seminars here in America all the time. He speaks fluent English. And um, he is the head of one of the nicest hospitals in Bogota. So he said, if I wait till August when I want to go down there, he'd operate on me for free. How about wow. that, son? Yeah, and wow. like roy royal treatment, like the whole nine. So you'll probably get a, as a parting gift some really strong coffee. That'd be worth it, Luke. Uh, Colombian coffee is actually quite mild, but you know, yes. I'm just sure. trying to have fun with you. You thought I was going one way, I went the other way. All right. Yeah, my sister just had dental surgery in Costa Rica. It's a thing, Luke. It's a thing, bro. You can go to South America and the surgery. Like, if you don't have health insurance, I mean, I do obviously, but if you don't have health insurance. And you have a little bit of a little bit of money, you can just fly to somewhere south of the border, and you can get like, dude, my buddy got uh, dental surgery in Colombia. You're like, I don't know how I trust that. His dentist uh, got his dental degree at fucking Georgetown, and then just you know came here on a student visa, got his degree, then went back to Colombia and opened up a practice. He goes down there. The guy speaks English the entire time. His teeth look fucking sharp, bro. He looked like Douglas Lima. You remember Douglas Lima smiled? That dude had the best teeth I've ever yes. seen in my life. He looked like you know, that. You know who's got great teeth is uh, Yanni the Greek. He watches the show. Big fan <laughs> of that guy. Love that He does guy. have some very, very shiny chompers. Very shiny. You agree. can get blinded, but big fan of that guy's work on camera. All right, boxing headlines here, Luke. Uh, this is where the MMA fans tune out. But a very interesting interview has broken out with Canelo Alvarez, who will, of course, return next Saturday, a week from this weekend, against Billy Joe Saunders in a super middleweight title unification bout. He sat down with Graham Benzinger on the show titled In Depth that you may see uh, you know, uh, floating around. I watch that show on planes a lot, Luke. Um, and here's the deal of why I think it's topical and relevant here. I've interviewed Canelo Alvarez a million times. Luke, he's one of the more polite, I don't want to say boring, but calculated interviews. He's polite. He's co politically correct. He's honest, but he's always very calculated in what he's doing. He doesn't try to insult people. Look, he brought the freaking guns out for this one inside his Guadalajara mansion in which he gave Graham a tour. I think the full video comes out this weekend, but there are excerpts on YouTube you can catch. He sent Triple G to hell over the steroid comments Triple G made following the clenbuterol incident, the tainted beef. Canelo went on to explain that, look, like... Every piece of beef in Mexico is tainted. Come down here and try for yourself. He also sent Oscar De La Hoya to the deep, dark depths of hell over how loyal he was to Oscar and the Golden Boy split up when Al Heyman left to start the PBC. Richard Schaefer left Golden Boy and how um, disloyal he feels Golden Boy was to him at every turn. He was very detailed in that, which you never hear him, Luke, go into that degree of detail. He talked about his finances. But he seemed to reveal something we didn't know, that the week of the Rocky Fielding fight in December 2018, right after signing that deal with the Zone, that one of his brothers was kidnapped in Mexico and held for ransom, and that Canelo, that fight week, was on the phone talking about the ransom he's going to pay to get his brother back. And he went on to really take some pointed shots at the Mexican government, not just teasing that they may have been in on the kidnapping, Luke, but that he doesn't feel safe moving forward for him or his family in Mexico. Hmm. And he was even telling some deeper stories about why he did not go the Olympic route and why he turned pro at 15. And it, a lot of it was based on financial distrust of his own home country. Luke, when you take all of this into account, 
We've never seen this version of Canelo before. He's the pound-for-pound pound king. He's the pay-per-view king, even though technically he's on DAZN, which is and isn't pay-per-view at the same time. But we've always seen him take the high road on everything. Now he's being real. Now he's a free agent who controls his own destiny. I say more power to him. I've always had a lot of respect for how he handles himself. Whether you love that weird tat of his wife's eyes or whether you believe he took the tainted beef on purpose or not, what were your thoughts, you know, reading some of these transcripts and watching the video? Just a different dude in this interview. Yeah, very different. I've interviewed him a bunch of times, too, and I've always found him like you, uh, calculating, but not in a nefarious way, but, you know, in a professional way. You know, a, a businessman who he knows what he says is going to make headlines, so he wants to make sure he's only making headlines about things that are matter that matter or important or um, promoting a fight or something like that. He doesn't try to, to, to stir up this kind of uh, business if he doesn't have to. So for him to be so candid about it tells you, one, it's probably been longstanding. Two, that he feels free to do that. And that three, it's important to tell the story. I, I think he feels like the public should actually know some of this stuff versus I'm just going to get it off my chest. Um, and you get what you get there as, as a consequence. I, 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 I was surprised. I did not expect that tenor from him frankly, at all, but now that he's doing it, uh, you wonder what else he might have to say, that you could keep probing all of this, that you could get this much out of him. What what else lies beneath? I suspect it'll take a lot longer to get that information, the true story about everything, like the fuller, more complete version. But but like you, this is what would be the equivalent. This would be something like an MMA. This would be something like Max Holloway setting people on fire. You know, that's just not a thing that Max really does, um, it verbally anyway. And imagine he came out and then just started setting people ablaze with all of these, not merely allegations, but um, rebuttals and everything else about what, you know, what it all meant. It, it, you would be like, damn, Max went that hard? It's kind of like that. Yeah, and I think all of it is justified. Look, I, I mean, I can't vouch for Canelo being the best guy ever, but for a guy with that much money and leverage, he's, he seems to be doing right by the sport. You always hear me praise his matchmaking. I love that he finally has the control to sort of piecemeal with which promoter or network he wants to to get the fights he wants. Right now he's got a couple fight deal with DAZN and Eddie Hearn. He feels comfortable comfortable enough to go back to DAZN after he sued them. So a lot of interesting stuff, and you know, it, it makes you understand the Golovkin rematch. Now, both Golovkin fights controversial scoring of course but both were action classics luke for that important of a fight between you know stars and champions and pound for pound names you obviously remember that rematch where the key i scored in the draw or or no i scored it close for golovkin i thought it could have been a draw canelo got the decision in the rematch one thing i don't dispute is the reason why he got that decision was because he walked Triple G down angrily with, with like spite, took the best shots from one of the best punchers of this era and came back at him, not as a counter-punching boxer, but as a, you know, Mexican warrior. And now to see how angry, I mean, he said he wanted to smash the guy's face and you never hear that from Canelo. So I, I'm supposed to be interviewing him, Luke, next week for Morning Combat. Hopefully we'll get a little more caller than we normally get. I know Canelo's also doing more interviews in English, which he uh, previously had, had you know, uh, purposely avoided because he didn't like the sound of his voice while pronouncing in English. It all goes back, Luke, to that Jim Gray interview. I was born ready before the Floyd Mayweather fight. 
Um, but, uh, you know, Big Red coming out of his shell a little bit. Good to see. Quickly on some other boxing news. We Luke, we could have done an, ex- an update every episode for the past two weeks on this, but I've purposely been avoiding it because I'm effing sick of this soap opera. The conflicting reports of whether Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua actually will fight this year signing the two-fight deal, going to the Middle East, getting the stupid amount of money. You are seeing all over the place the reporting here. The latest is that Bob Arum is openly blaming Eddie Hearn, saying the fight has fallen apart and is over, and that both fighters are going in a different direction. Mike Coppinger of The Athletic has countered after talking to Hearn and saying, no, the fight is still on. There's a $150 million site fee offer from Saudi Arabia. The fight will be there in August. Luke, I don't know who to believe, but I'm really freaking losing patience here. Biggest fight you can make in boxing outside of like Floyd Manny too, right? I mean, this is a big ass deal. Undisputed heavyweight championship at stake. Two marketable guys in their absolute primes. Make the effing fight already. I'm sick of updating that news story constantly of Hearn says the deal has been agreed to, but we're waiting on the contract. Now it's falling apart. Fuck off. <laughs> I don't have much to add to that except I wake up and I'm like, oh, the fight's off. They're like, oh, no, Mike Coppinger says it's still on. Okay, and that seems reliable. And then you just see other headlines like, no, uh, Bob is pissed. And it's like, dude, these guys will these guys will absolutely blow up hundreds of millions of dollars over petty grievances. But, you know, at least they're not Derek Chisora, right? Well, uh, Deontay Wilder is back training again, Luke, hitting the pads I with... Saw. Uh, I saw. I saw. Yeah, and he looks good. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if it did fall apart, there is some belief that Fury Wilder 3 would be an easy fight to make and that maybe even Anthony Joshua would face his mandatory of Alexander Usyk. So it wouldn't be the end of the world. But again, make the freaking fight already. Moving on, one fight we will see this Saturday, Luke, is that uh, aforementioned a few times when we dropped a doogie on it, the PBC on Fox, Fox pay-per-view as Andy Ruiz Jr. back off a 17-month layoff from coming in fat against Anthony Joshua in the rematch in Saudi Arabia and losing a wide decision, somewhat lifeless decision there. He's going to take on Chris Ariola. Uh, here's the deal. It's not a pay-per-view fight, but it is, right? So we're, we're telling you that it shouldn't be, but for whatever reason, it is. There are intriguing elements to it, though. One, given the backgrounds and the styles of these guys, and even with Ariola washed at age 40, it's going to be a war because that's what they do. But two, the real hook here is on Ruiz, Luke. He's still, what, 30, 31 years old. He has lost a tremendous amount of weight. He was 283 for the second Joshua fight, 310 pounds when he opened training camp. But since joining forces with Canelo's trainer, Eddie Reynoso, the discipline has has been, you know, the proof's been in the put in. His quotes are all uplifting and upbeat. He gives Reynoso the credit for um, giving him the discipline he's needed, the confidence. He's taken a lot from training literally alongside with Canelo, seeing the professionalism. And here's an undisputable fact at the end of the day. If Ruiz comes back and looks great on Saturday, which he should, he is a monster player in this heavyweight division, whether it be against Wilder or whether it be against whoever comes out of the Fury-Joshua fights, if they happen, because he's got quick hands and he can box, but he's also a fighter. He's got a chin. We saw what he did to Anthony Joshua. From that side of it alone, Luke, I am intrigued by it, even though you got to have a lot of balls putting this one on pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, on pay-per-view, let's just be real. This one's going to tank. It's going to tank hard. There's no buzz for people to pay for this. 
And the fight itself is, you know, whatever. I mean, fine. Let them fight. Who cares? Whatever. But as you indicated, there is something worth paying attention to here, which is what happens if it's not just... This is the key to understanding this. Brian has explained this to me in detail. Now, now I finally get it. People are making this about a slimmed down Andy Ruiz. Oh, Andy lost weight and he's motivated and he's training the way he's supposed to be. Yes, that is one very clear and obvious component of it. The second component is that this dude, Eddie Reynoso, might be the best trainer in all of boxing, not merely in how to run a practice and how to program a camp and how to get the best out of each individual fighter for what they might need, but that he is a brilliant tactician. It is as if, imagine the MMA equivalent would be something like, uh, imagine Andy Ruiz was an MMA fighter. He went and not only lost a bunch of weight and looked like he was in great shape and ready to go, but was training with Trevor Whitman. You know, that's what the deal is here. You're leveling up by virtue of getting healthy and you're leveling up by virtue of these minds that are going to help you bring out the very best that you have to offer with absolutely game, um, you know, bleeding edge of brilliant technique in boxing. I am very curious to see what he looks like on those terms because I think he's going to smoke Areola. And then the question of who he fights next. And dude, I'm telling you, a Wilder versus Ruiz fight, if Ruiz is training with Eddie Reynoso, <laughs> gotta tell you, BC, yeah. your boy is all effing in. That fight's a war, and it's a pay-per-view. And uh, let, let's go to our, uh, we have a little sound from Chris Ariola, who I talked with in Morning Combat. Always been a great quote. Love the guy. He's washed. But let's be honest, I love the guy. Let's throw to it right now, Manich, if you don't mind. You know, it's kind of crazy that you haven't met, that that you're at this point in, in your career, your age, where you're meeting him for the first time yet. You know, here's the deal. This is a pay-per-view fight. It wasn't overly well-received by boxing fans and media at, at the announcement of it. Saying, okay, you know, maybe that fight will be good, but on pay-per-view, I'm not sure. Do you think, though, this is going to lull people into almost like a, all right, I'll watch it, and then you put Andy Ruiz and Chris Ariola together? I, I can't see that fight being bad. I mean, I feel like you're only going to win people over by by once you guys touch gloves in round one and let your hands go. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, there's those people that be like, man, that's not a pay-per-view fight. I'll tell them, don't fucking buy it. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm like, if you don't want to watch it, don't buy it. But don't come at me later on and be like, man, that was an awesome fight. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know it was an awesome fight. And uh, that being said, man, I know it's going to be fireworks. I know we're going to give fans what they need. We're going to give the fans what they want. An old school, rock'em, sock'em, heavyweight fight. And, you know, my goal is to come out with my hand raised. Also, Luke, uh, you may not know that these two actually sparred one time since it's Friday and I'm hosting and I can put myself over. Let's go back to Areola. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, I want to say he was probably like 17, 18 years old. And um, Henry tells me at the time was Henry Ramirez was my trainer. He goes, hey, um, we have this kid from Mexicali coming down to spar. And I asked him, like, Mexicali? There's heavyweights in Mexico? <laughs> he goes, yeah, 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 there's some kid. Well, he's coming down. I'm like, all right. So he shows up. And I was like, wait, I'm sparring that fat kid? He goes, yeah, yeah, you're sparring him. The fat one. Yeah. <laughs> So I get in the ring with this fat Andy, and honestly, don't judge a book by cover. 
You know, I think that's what Andy, Andy did. All, I mean, uh, AJ did also. I think he judged the book by, by the cover. He's seen a fat kid and he thought he, he couldn't do anything. Boy, was he and was I mistaken. He had fast hands. He hit hard. He had heart. And which more important, he had balls. Because in the third round, we got in a heated exchange. And his dad goes, hey, chill, chill, chill. And then, I'm, and then Andy himself goes, no, dad, we're working. We're working. We're working hard. And we just kept banging it out. And that's when I knew that he was going to be a heavyweight to be reckoned with. Look, the fat one. No, no, not him. <laughs> this is like you at I the love- bar <laughs> when the lights come up and there's one song left. It's like, I'll take the, no, not that, not the fat. No, the other fat one. Yes. Dude, I love, you know, combat sports is just filled with people who don't understand often maybe a perhaps in being sensitive is not a sign of weakness it's just trying to you know not do harm to others if if you can avoid it <laughs> i love i love how in mma or boxing it's like uh you gotta go box that guy you mean that fat fuck in the corner i gotta go i gotta go hit the fat fuck left and right it's like i mean you don't have to actually say it that way <laughs> but yes that one all right uh Sebastian- all right porky let's go hit the 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 the, the mat uh whatever uh, the guy I call the praying mantis, he's known as the towering inferno, six foot seven junior middleweight Sebastian Fundoras in the co-main against Jorge Coda. Uh, also in the Fox main event, Irislandi Lara has moved up to middleweight, but he's taking on Thomas Cornflake Lamana. So that's that. All right, Luke. Um, a couple other bits and weird news I can speed through here so you can get to the doctors. Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker, the form- Parker's a former champion who lost his belt to Anthony Joshua. They're having a fight in the UK this weekend that's of decent heavyweight note. It should be a fun little fight. Only it may not happen, Luke. Chisora has threatened to pull out if they don't announce him to the ring second on Saturday. He had a meltdown at the weigh-in today, and he reportedly packed his shit up. And we may not see this fight. What the? What? Dude. What? Did did I BC? Again, I'm you know we're st- we're still very very early into my rediscovering boxing coverage. Do I not recall seeing a press conference where Derek Chisora sat there and said, "I think it was if you don't pay me more for this fight, I'm going to yes. walk out right now." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's got issues, Derek, huh? Fun fighter, though, indeed. Uh, also, real quick, uh, reports out of Puerto Rico that former uh, hot shot prospect, the lightweight Felix Verdejo, who's under the top rank banner, but his career has fallen into hard times at 27. He had the knockout loss, the motorcycle accident, and then he came back in that fight. He was winning against the guy who's going to fight Lomachenko next, Nakatani, and he got stopped late in that one. The reports are, Luke, that... Um, that he impregnated a woman outside of wedlock, and now that woman is uh, has disappeared. And there's some deeper and darker uh, items within the Puerto Rican news report uh, involving his want for her to get an abortion. And, and uh, look, at he's a suspect in this, and that's that's not a good look at the end of the day, Luke. Mm. Um, you know, innocent. He hasn't been charged with anything. Yeah. And when he has, he's still innocent until proven guilty. But I got to tell you, um, not money. Not good. Not, Not looking good. Money. By the way, I feel like Teofimo Lopez took the spot that that top rank had prepared for Verdejo. He was supposed to be the next Cotto, the next thing, right? And it didn't happen. So uh, let's keep it moving. Also, I don't know if you saw that Russian report, but uh, my guy, Zabib, Zabib, 
Magomed Sharapov, the future UFC featherweight champion. At age 30, he's considering retirement. He has no motivation to fight. That's something that we're going to follow closely. Also, Kevin Ioli has tweeted since we started the show that he did talk with Sanchez and Fabia. And Luke, the UFC has paid Diego Sanchez his show money, his win bonus, and his Venom athlete kit bonus, and have basically paid for him to leave. This is wild. Wow. Okay. That's uh, sad. It's, it's honestly sad. It's sad, yeah. it's sad that the, the great career of Diego Sanchez and uh, UFC ends this way. Uh, we don't always get it right, Luke. A lot of times we get it wrong. In fact, sometimes we get it dead wrong. There's seven different levels to animal worshiping. Horses, sex, human sacrifices, cannibalism, candles, and exorcism. Yeah, I'm Larry Hoover. Yeah, all right. Here we go, Luke. Let's you start say, it. You've never heard the song with Eminem and B.I.G., Dead Wrong? Uh, probably, Luke. But, I, you know, I... You Holy know, fuck, I, you don't know this song? I mean, Seriously? Luke, it's know, like what, it's maybe Eminem's peak of lyrical ability. You're the guy out here saying Jerry Garcia is in the top 50 guitarists of all time, so I don't, I don't yeah, think Jerry Garcia is a fat waste who is only good on right, you know. You know, there are, I do have limits where I'll just walk away, Luke, okay? Dude, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Chris Ariola. You want the fat guitarist? You want me to go listen to the fat guitarist? Come on now. <laughs> all right, this is from Michael and Henry. They say, I don't have the timestamp for you because the show is literally still live as I type this. But when discussing his fight night tweets on Monday, BC claimed that Luke had tweeted, I am your Pat Barry in response. Mm. Bad eye, BC. That was actually puke Thomas, not Luke Thomas. <laughs> I know this because I actually saw the tweet and I don't get the privilege of seeing Luke Thomas's tweets. Why? Because he has blocked me. Wait, no hard why feelings. are these tweets in whatever fucking language this is? No hard feelings. Love the show. All the best from Ireland. Luke, we are still missing out on a segment in which you, one by one, unblock people if they do something to help our show. Will you I've please- told you this. Here, here, No, no. BC, what about this as an idea for a show? And I'm dead serious. You got to submit a 60-second video pleading your case, and then as a show staff, we vote. What do you think? Yes. Yes, I'm in. I'm in. Our, in do fact, Manich, Manich and Gaff like it, too. They, they say we're in as well. I wonder if Sally likes it. Shout out to Sally. All right, Luke, let's keep it going. This is from Sean, Joseph, and Ben. They say, in Monday's Have You Seen This Shit, BC goes to a clip of Randy Brown choking out Cowboy Oliveira. He then asks Luke what he thinks of Randy's, quote, one-armed guillotine. Problem is, it was a rear naked choke. Luke right. doesn't correct it, so... Here's the L. Love the show, everyone. Luke, do you know what I love most about Dead Wrong? Is there are many times I'm the guy who got it dead wrong, yet they dead wrong you for not correcting this filthy casual co-host you have. Bro, but here's what they don't understand. Like, you use the word adaption, not a word. I've never corrected it. You just keep using it over and over again. If I had to stop you... uh, Adaptation, you mean? Adaption, noun, another term for adaptation. Suck on this, you bearded beasel bub. Where is that from? Clownpenis.farts dictionary? No one uses the word adaption. What are we we doing here, bro? You know what I mean? Here's the point. Here's the point. I can't interrupt everybody all the time over stuff. I guess I should have declarified it. But we went through the whole process of me talking about how he used his chin to seal it and everything. So, whatever. Uh, to me, it's a one-arm guillotine. I don't know. You know, what am I? Am I what, what do you think I am? All right? All right. Uh, Michael, Jacob, Greg, Colin, Max, and Bryn chiming in here. On the Monday morning, April 26th show, BC listed his favorite UFC pay-per-views, and he listed 217, 
205 and 196. The dead wrong comes in when he mentions the headlines, headliners and the fighters. Brian showed his age by saying 196 was headlined by Lesnar versus Carwin. You're right. When in actuality, it was headlined by McGregor Diaz one, which I was at, by the way. And Stefan Bonner was already in Bellator by then. You cuck. End quote. God, seriously? Um, Luke, I'm thinking of UFC 116, which I renamed in my head UFC 196. By the way, 116 is one of the greatest pay-per-view main cards of all time, top to bottom. It was incredible. 196, also pretty awesome. Amanda Nunes versus Shevchenko won. Tate versus Holm. Good God, what a freaking card. Yes, I'll take the L. All right. Uh, Greg chimes in, says, uh, BC was dead wrong for the second time at 5729 when he said that the MK resume review curse is 6-0, despite it actually only being 5-0. Connor, Stipe, Tyron Woodley. Izzy. Izzy. And Jorge. All right, 5-0. I'll take the L. All right, Greg, it's now 6-0 because you're dead wrong. Or no, because you're, you've been cursed for sending that in. Thank you. All right. Romero, now 6-0. Uh, Luke, this one's at you from Adam and Steve. In today's episode, Luke said Betamax tapes were bigger than VHS. Although higher picture quality, they were actually two-thirds the size of VHS. No, no, Luke no, no, no. Be- that's not what I meant. No, 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 no. Not the actual signal that it sent. Just the actual boxes. Don't you remember the VHS were boxes big. were smaller? Yes, and the Betamax was huge. Yes. Yes, that's what I meant. If I did not mean I did not mean what they're what they're talking about, they're hundred percent right. And if I'm if I misspoke, fine, I'll take the L. But just to be clarifying, I only meant we would see the Betamax on the shelves because it was just a bigger box. Yeah. Also we were alive back then in the early eighties and, and you know, I'm sure Adam and Steve were you know, yeah, just, fuck Adam and Steve. They didn't know what it was like to go yeah. to Errol's video on, on Pennsylvania Avenue to go get Predator. Fuck you guys. Yeah, fuck you, bro. All right. Uh, wow, I got it. I'll take this out. On Monday's show during DM from Donks, BC stated that the film Ghoulies was rated R, yet in fact it was rated PG. It was a Ooh. cheap ripoff of Gremlins. Is that true? Is that Dude, true? if you were wrong about that, that's a pretty big wrong. I told, R- I mean, I told PG-13. that story like... Like 4,000 times in my life. I swear that was rated R. My dad goes... Is there a, wait, 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 wait. Is there an R-rated version? I don't know. I don't know. You know how you can get like the unedited director's cut or whatever? Is there one of those? Ghoulies 2 did have an uncut R-rated version. I can't figure out if Ghoulies 1 did. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but... I was like six, all right? And I had nightmares from the thing coming up the toilet up my ass. I mean, you know, what do you want from me? All right, I'll take, okay, I'll take the L, you freaking jerk. Uh, Here we go. Finally, on Wednesday's show, Brian stated, this is from Ben, Rahul, and Patrick, that the one fighter Colby Northcutt's MMA debut was Wednesday. She's actually one and one with an LFA loss and a one win. She also won, by the way, uh, just the other night. P.S. I'm very surprised that Brian didn't call her sneaky, Maybe in fear of a reprisal from Raymond Daniels. What am I missing here, Luke? Uh, she dates Raymond Daniels, and he would beat the fuck out of you. Wow. Isn't he a lot older than her? I don't know. Maybe he likes some young, Luke. Okay. Everyone likes some young. Do you know I mean, what my phone number was? Young. Do you know what my huh? phone number was at my first apartment? I don't know, but I need to go to the doctor. It was 723-1717. 
and we called it Young Young. Seven seven two three Young Young. Call me. Okay. Call me. Up. Can we do tip to tip? Because I need to go. All right, Luke. This is for your gallbladder only. What do you got? Let's do a touch tips graphic. There it is. Uh, I'll be very quick about mine. You know, for a lot of us to the pandemic, we've been slowly building our home gyms. This won't work for everybody. I still have a long way to go. I'm not here to lecture. I'm here to only provide a potential solution to some of you if you are looking for some kind of help. I don't like to run. DC is a great city to run in, but I don't like it all that much. Biking here will get you killed. So uh, I've tried to find, like, what's a great way to get some cardio in because I do like lifting weights, BC, but that doesn't, I mean... It's not so great necessarily for lifting weights, depending on how you want to do it. So I made the choice after some research about a machine that I thought could get me there. I bought the Torque Fitness M1 Tank, which is a three-wheeled um, weighted sled, but the front wheel works on a magnetized system where you can adjust the resistance. Only the front wheel is that way, so you can push it. It has resistance. You can pull it. It has resistance. It has a lever. You can still add weight to it if, it, if you can't get what you want, but it also has three different handle positions from the front and the back, and it is just perfect, perfect for people who have home gyms. You can actually pull the handles right off, store it on the wall. It comes with a wall mount. It's not too heavy. It gets the job done. I've done a few cycles on it. I was soaked by the end. It is just perfect. Uh, I think that uh, oh, my wife is just calling me because you know why would you why would you not call her in the middle of a show? Um, it for home gym equipment, it should be versatile, it should be storable, and it should be uh, easily customizable. And it's all of that and then some. Can't recommend it enough. The Torque Fitness M1 Tank, perfect. All right, M1 Global, brought to you by Vadim Finkelstein. My uh, tip is this, Luke. They say you're only as young as you feel. But I don't typically feel young unless I look young. So you already know what I do, Luke. I dye out the white and gray hairs in my hair. In fact, I did it this morning. And I don't do any research. I buy the cheapest and most easily accessible product possible. But I've made an adaption here. I buy the Just For Men, Luke, dyeing kit. But now I buy the... Uh, the one with the easy comb that comes with it that you screw on the top of the package. Why, Luke? And here's a tip for everybody. I'm not a vain person. My wife just likes me with brown hair, all right? I think it makes me look younger and hipper on your air. Luke, if you get the auto stop with the brush and you really allows you to focus on the key spots where the white and the gray don't come out, like right here along the hairline, right here and right here on the beard. So, Luke, I share this with the people because... Uh, you know, I like to look and feel younger at age 42. I'm washed enough as it is on the inside and physically, so why don't I do this? And Luke, I bring this up as a fun joke, but also as a legitimate challenge. Look, some people are vain. I had a friend at ESPN who, when he re-signed his talent contract, they said, we'll only sign you if you dye out the grays in your hair. It's part of our no business. No way, seriously? You've also got... But on the flip side, you got Todd Grisham, who looks great and gray. He told us Bruce Buffer gave him the advice that the ladies love it. Todd went that direction. The ladies won't stop calling. Luke, you're different than me in so many ways. Some of it is you're an old gray piece of shit. So, Luke, what if I challenge you to get the Just For Men auto stop with the easy comb? And for six months, if you dyed your hair, I guarantee you your marriage will improve. The phone will ring even more for on-air opportunities. And just maybe you'll like yourself even more when you look in the mirror. Will you accept this challenge? And we'll do it during Documentary 3 in which I'll apply it for you. No, I think hair dye is for cucks. <laughs> I need to go. Look, cuck, if you want to dye your hair because you're insecure, you can. I'm not. I don't need to.
I'm Manish fine. is asking me if that was a hashtag ad. No, I don't get money from just. No, men, it's not but, an ad. Uh, We're not brush, paid. It's not plugola. We're just happy customers. Works great. I mean, look, how, how young do I look, right? Not young enough, BC. I'm being dead fucking serious. I need to get All going. Right, get out of here, Luke. I'll take the clothes of the show. Turn off your camera. Walk off, okay? No, no, that's a, that's a unprofessional, but just end it. All right, thank you to our as, staff As here. I tell you to end it on air. <laughs> Malka, CBS Sports, Showtime. Thank you so much, everyone out there, for listening and watching. We appreciate you. You make this great. Like and subscribe to the video. Buy our merch. Follow us. Buy the Bellator thing. All that great stuff. For my wonderful co-host, Luke Thomas, my name is Brian Campbell. This has been Morning Combat. Get your 30-day free trial of Showtime. Pound sand and go F yourself. Two words for the people. We out.